Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. The brother gets bullied out of hockey to do Nordic combined. That's, it's, that's... it's an effective recruitment technique, Allison. Mesdames et messieurs. The greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to Olympic Fever. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by the lovely Allison Brown. Allison, how are you today? I have suffered a minor injury, but this is the Olympics and I got to push through. Injury? What happened? I have tendinitis in my dominant arm elbow. Really? I really do. <laughs> so I've been icing. I've been taking, you know, approved medications. Good, good. Because we do it, have a we have a big list for banned substances. If exactly. if you take one of them, you will not be allowed to podcast. And we exactly we, we need you to podcast. So I've been getting massage and and I'm going for acupuncture. So you know, I I think I'll make it through the games. Wow, that's better than me. <laughs> and you have a better story than I do. I just feeling spazzy right now. Just like, well, there are two days. Oh, I don't know when anything is on. What time is it in Korea right now? <laughs> that's that's me. That's all I care about. What time is it in Korea right now? Um, well, right see. now it's like I know what time it is. I can tell you. It's eight o'clock. I don't know. We are taping on Wednesday afternoon, three thirty-five Eastern time, and it is Thursday morning, five thirty-five Eastern or five thirty-five Eastern in right. Korea. I, no, it's I, can't even, I can't even figure out when they do the 24-hour clock. You oh, know, when they say yeah. it's like 1620, I'm like, 12 minus carry the one. Yes, so I'm never going to get this right. I do that too. So Yeah, I'm never going to get this right. But they are almost here. I'm excited because tonight we can watch some curling. Some yes. advanced stuff is on. And tomorrow we'll be able to watch some figure skating. No, and I'm then, kind of overwhelmed. I know. it's, And then the big show is on. So today on our last big episode before the big opening ceremonies, we have decided to go to the most obscure of obscure sports, and that is Nordic Combined. And I got to tell you, it was really cool talking to our guest today. 
I, I, I kind of have a little crush on him now. You do. How come? I do. He's adorable. He is adorable. I just, I just want to, like, I just want to hug him. <laughs> I know. And like, bless you. Bless you for falling in love with this sport. You know? I know. He's so passionate about this really obscure, no money in it, no fame in it kind of sport. Yeah. Which is and great. It's interesting. So Nordic combined, if you are questioning what that is it is a combination of ski jumping and cross-country skiing and our guest brian fletcher who is a two-time olympian for the united states he went to sochi and now he's going back to pyeongchang um he he will describe this as they are two heel free sports and that means that the heels are not constrained in their skis so if you're wondering what the heck he's talking about that means just in the skis your toes are just connected to the ski bit so your but heels not your are heel free. no your heel is free to maneuver around and help you motor through or jump off as the case may be so he was really lovely to talk to and uh told us a lot about the sport that we had no idea about and i i'm really excited to watch in order to combine this time I know. Now we know what we're looking at. Right. So take a listen to our conversation with Brian Fletcher. We are on with Brian Fletcher. And Brian, Nordic Combine is like the recess peanut butter cups of sports, right? You put ski jumping in my cross country. No, you've put cross country in my peanut, in my ski jump. And <laughs> <laughs> But no, you have two great sports that work great together, right? Yeah. They're pretty interesting sports, so obviously they're both Nordic sports. They both have a free heel. That's how the original combination came about is they were like, okay, ski jumping, free heel, cross-country, free heel, Nordic. Why don't we combine them and see you know, who's the best at both of them? Obviously, at the time, they weren't really thinking of the physiology and how those sports would develop over the years in the training that goes into them. And fast forward to today, and obviously they're two very opposite sports. One is a you know lean, fast twitch muscle fiber sport, and the other one is very much a endurance based, slow twitch uh, sport. So that makes them really challenging to balance it too. So one of the yeah. things when we were talking about not just the the muscles, but also I think cross country st- skiers, I would assume, tend to be tall. Mm-hmm. Whereas ski jumpers, I know when we met uh, Sarah Hendrickson, tend to be pretty short and very compact. Mm-hmm. So I would think that that just the physical nature of the two sports is also different. Yeah, so definitely there's a balance there. But you don't, you also have a I mean, the body type is a little bit uh, variable in the sports. I mean, there's definitely great cross country skiers that are shorter, um, also very good jumpers that are taller. So you know, it's a, it's not such a big factor, but definitely, uh, I would say that the jumpers are a little bit on the shorter side, and the uh, cross country skiers definitely tend to be on the bigger side. Especially if you look at the sprinters or um, some of those guys, they're big, tall, really strong guys uh, and girls. And then you look at you know ski jumping and and uh, Nordic combined, and on that side, it's definitely usually a little bit uh, more balanced body composition. Now, for the competition, both sports are in the same day. Yep. How does that work on your body? It's definitely challenging, but, you know, I think the jumping is is a fairly, uh, besides the mental component of it, is fairly physically, it's not that demanding. So 
Um, you're able to do that. I mean, it is demanding, but like you're trained for it. So in a typical training session, we'll do, you know, six to 10 jumps in a, in a day. Whereas, you know, for the competition, we're doing a trial and then one jump to count. So as far as that side, that's pretty easy, but the mental component of it is definitely very hard. You're stressing a lot during the day on the mental side, it, trying to be physically ready in order to, you know, have your best jump when it comes time for the comp. So that's a, that's a challenge. And then, you know, depending on the TV schedule, that, that determines kind of the break between the cross country and the jumping. So if you think about um, some days, it'll be like an hour and a half break and other days it may be, you know, five, six hour break, which can also be really tricky. Sometimes a short break, you don't have time for lunch. You don't have time to test skis. You don't have time to really warm up even. Sometimes it's, you know, you're turning around, you're just changing clothes and you're getting out there and warming up and going. Um, and other times, you know, it's a, you know, that longer break, the five hour break. Sometimes you're, if you have a great jump, then you're sitting there going really happy and you go into the race and, you know, you're thinking about ways you can do well or maybe win the race that day. Um, if you have a bad jump, it's kind of a bummer too. You're sitting there thinking, you know, you end up dwelling on that bad jump for a while. And then you got to think about how you can make a, a good day out of a bad day. So it can be uh, definitely mentally and physically exhausting to have both events in the same day. So the jump is always first. At this day and age, the jump is first. We've had past uh, events where it was a mass start and we would race first, but that's currently not a World Cup format or an Olympic format. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they jumped in a mass jump? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a group Sorry. jump? That would be sweet. <laughs> I would not want to be at the bottom of that hill. No, I would not want to be at the bottom of that so what what is it what is a regular training week like for you? So it varies. Um, typically, we're doing about I would say fifteen hours of endurance training a week plus about fifteen hours of jump training a week, and that all includes you know distance skiing, which is basically like easy endurance where your heart rate's low, trying to you know just you're out there for two to three hours sometimes uh, cross country skiing or running or biking um in the summer we'll have big weeks up to like 30 plus hours of endurance where you know you may be out on a road bike for eight hours in a day um or sometimes like that but uh in the winter usually it's about 15 and 15 and and you'll be skiing some days some days you'll have harder intensity where you need to do intervals uh stuff like that to get the heart rate up and um, and then, of course, the races on the weekends. And then for the jumping side, usually it's about a two-hour process to go and actually take jumps. You'll go warm up, scrape skis, get ready to go for the hill. And then you'll be on the hill for about an hour and a half taking uh, six to ten jumps and then, you know, finishing that session up. And then, of course, the the day isn't over. You have your stretching that you need to do, obviously any mental preparation that you need to do, you know, visualization, imagery, um, some athletes do yoga, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's a pretty long day. And usually in the morning, too, you have to kind of get the body because we typically jump in the morning. You have to get the body prepared and ready to go. So um, you'll be, you know, wake up early about two hours before you need to be at the jump to make sure you get breakfast in you. You get some good dynamic stretching in, foam rolling, that kind of stuff. So pretty long day. <laughs> I'm usually up at 6.30 or 7, and I uh, uh, usually don't finish my day's activities until about 9 p.m. Wow. And I'm guessing there is a ton of money in Nordic Combined. Yeah. So 
Yeah, tons. So, so how, how do you finance this? So we primarily fundraise. Um, what our organization does is we have a, uh, our own organization called uh, USA Nordic that uh, is basically the fundraising entity for us athletes, and we'll fundraise with USA Nordic, and that provides the funds for our team budget. So um, anything from travel expenses to lodging um, to some equipment expenses, um, that kind of stuff. And then everything else, like when we're home, when I'm home in the States and training, I would be, uh, you know, obviously paying for my own meals, paying my own rent or mortgage, paying, uh, you know, all those expenses plus some of my equipment expenses. So what, then I have to go out and find sponsors and fundraise to, in order to pay for those types of things. Um, and then I would say that if you have a great season, sometimes you can make a okay amount of money enough to get by uh, based off of the prize money from the season. But, um, you know, you, you can't be dependent on that because sometimes you have good seasons, sometimes you have bad seasons. So you definitely need to be able to fundraise and, uh, you know, also uh, have hopefully you can get a few sponsors along the way. Do we want to shout out for our sponsors? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so for me personally, like, um, you know, I, I, I love USANA. That's one of my big sponsors, Steamboat Resorts, Toco, One Way Poles, Atomic, Nordic. Um, Nike is a big uh, team supporter of ours, Global Guardian, Stormy Cromer, Northland, uh, Copper Peak, and Backcountry.com are big ones. Rudy Project is a big one for me, and I'm trying to think if I'm missing any. Uh, Jaybird Headphones is also a sponsor as well. I'm sure I maybe forgot some, but uh, <laughs> if you're listening, I always appreciate the support. So. Now, you mentioned Steamboat because you are from Steamboat. Yep. You were at the send-off this past weekend, right? Yep. They yeah, had a big absolutely. send-off. Yeah, one of our listeners was out there saying, oh, it was really cool. So, oh, um, awesome. Yeah. So what was what was that like? What because because Steamboat is a huge like provider of Olympic athletes to the U.S. team, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what awesome. what is in the water? That- <laughs> yeah. I think it's just a you know it's a kind of a different culture in the town. Like you know most kids they have great skiing opportunities there, an awesome mountain, an amazing winter sports club. So for me, when I was growing up, it was like you finish school and you go down to Hallison Hill and you, you're in the winter sports club and you just ski and you know, all your friends are down there. All the kids are down there skiing. Um, you ski after school from four to six every day. And it was awesome. And, uh, you know, so I think a lot of kids grow up like believing that they can be Olympians and kind of dreaming of being, you know, a professional skier one day, you know, which is a little different for most towns in the U S and most towns in the U S you're like thinking, Oh, I'm going to be a professional football player or baseball player, soccer player. And there they just have winter Olympic sports in the blood of the town. So that that is really cool. And and they're they're super passionate about it. Everybody in the town is super passionate about it, which is awesome. Like at you like the Olympian send-off, I mean, there was a huge crowd there, probably like close to a thousand people or, you know, at least a couple hundred people in the square, you know, at the base of the gondola just cheering on their Olympians past and present and um you know, the Olympians send in videos if they couldn't make the send-off. Uh, it, it's just an awesome event and a great way to kick off the Olympics for uh, the athletes. That is so cool. When you grow up and you're skiing every day like that, what? and everybody's kind of finding their own sport and niche to fall into in the skiing world, what drew you to Nordic Combined? 
the jumping initially. So I kind of got started in the program because I did a learn to ski jump and like evening where they came out and you, you took a couple jumps on your alpine equipment or whatever. And, um, you know, I went off like the 10 meter and was like, well, that was pretty fun. I'm going to go up to the next biggest hill. And I hit that and I was like, that was even better. And then I went up to the next size hill and I was like, yep. All right. I'm hooked. And so like, basically my parents like saw me grinning from like ear to ear and I was just all smiles and couldn't stop talking about it. So they signed me up for the program like that evening. Um, they initially, they were like, Oh, we'll sign you up next winter. And then I was like, no, no, I have to do this the rest of the winter. And I, I think it was probably like February at this point. So they signed me up like midwinter for the program and I was hooked. And so that's what kind of drew me into that world. I mean, I definitely alpine skied as a kid and, um, you know, looked at all the other sports, like maybe I could do aerials or moguls, or maybe I could do alpine skiing. Um, but you know, I never pursued any, like I pursued, you know, ski jumping and, and then eventually two years later, Nordic combined. And that was kind of a happy accident. Nordic combined was like all my friends started in the program and I was like, oh, I want to go with my friends. And I didn't know what the cross country side of it was. I just, I wanted, they just kept saying, I want to do Nordic Mine. And I was like, all right, I want to do Nordic Mine. And when they handed me a pair of cross country skis, I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. <laughs> it was like the one sport at, at house and I'd watch kids do and be like, man, I'm glad I didn't do that. And then, like, <laughs> you know, then I like got into it and I kind of liked it and had obviously a little bit of a talent for it. And so I just kind of stuck with it. Now, did your brother follow you into the sport? Yeah, how but did not that at first. Okay. Yeah, he he initially started in hockey, and um, you know he was pretty good, and all his friends were doing it. But basically, I just teased him and bullied him until he switched sports, <laughs> and then he switched, and obviously, he never went back to hockey. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is a, so, so wait, the brother gets bullied out of hockey to do Nordic combined. That's that is an effective recruitment technique, Allison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, the most effective way an older sibling gets their younger brother to do the same things they're doing. It's one way to expand the team. Yeah. If you notice, there's a lot of brothers in Nordic combined. So, uh, you know, it's probably pretty common. Oh, that's interesting. Do you, are there, are there like sets of twins too? Do you know? Yeah, we've had, uh, two sets of twins on the U S national team at one point in time. Plus, Two sets of twins plus two brothers, two sets of brothers on the team at one point. Wow. That's yeah. The psychiatrist bills for Nordic combined must be really up there. Yeah. <laughs> With all these family issues. Sibling rivalries. Sibling rivalries. Yeah. And right now on the World Cup circuit, there's actually uh, quite a few sets of brothers. So it's always fun to like in team events, if two brothers get paired together, it's always like, this brother duo versus bre that brother duo. It's it's pretty fun. So, wow. Well, I, I'm curious because I know the women's side is starting to build up for Nordic combined. Mm -hmm. Do you know if there are like sisters out there? I don't know. I hope so. That would that be, would be good hilarious. Sport. You know, seven yeah. brothers versus sisters. I I can that see that being good. a great great TV competition. Yeah, exactly. We could have a mixed team event and have it all be brothers and sisters. And then the psychiatrist bills would be absolutely through the roof. So, perfect. Is there, is there any discussion of mixed team 
Because I love that stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I hope so in the future. Um, I think there's a lot of support for the women's side. And obviously, I think there's a lot of young athletes coming up. Most What most people don't know is a lot of girls start out in order combined. And up until this point, there wasn't really a path for them to go past high school or even middle school in order combined. They kind of had, they were forced to choose either cross-country skiing or ski jumping. But in the Winter Sports Club, at one point, they had like 20 girls in the Nordic Combined program, uh, if not more. And so uh, in this year, the Winter Sports Club, I think, had 90 kids in, in the Nordic Combined program, which is unreal. So, you know, to have that kind of uh, athlete pool there and uh, have no women's component it was kind of a bummer. And so obviously there's been a big push from the athletes and also now, uh, you know, from the clubs and then now from FIS to you know, get a women's circuit going. And uh, obviously, they're trying to develop it quickly. So I think it should be a one to two year process before we start seeing some pretty high level competition on women's Nordic combined. And this year was a big step with the first COC competition. So I'm optimistic and hopeful there'll be uh, an event at World Championships next year for it. And then uh, potentially some World Cups as well. That's exciting. So yeah, you, you have all this gear. How do you travel with it? Uh, expensively. <laughs> um, you know those airline bag fees that yeah. everybody pays? Yeah, we, we can rack those up pretty quick. Well, for example, heading to the Olympics next week, uh, for all our cross-country skis, wax boxes, for basically five athletes and jump skis and then suits and then poles and all that stuff, I think we're going to have around 25 bags, maybe 30 bags. Um, and that's like I don't really have any clothes here I have like a pair of sweatpants and like three t-shirts and you know so it's like all the rest of my stuff is like cross-country boots you know uh, jump boots classic cross-country boots skis poles you know all the nutritional foods we need honey stinger bars and stuff like that so it's like uh, just a ton of gear that we're bringing uh, back and forth all the time when we're traveling but you know, we've got that packing down pretty much to a science. So uh, that's the easy part. <laughs> so what what should viewers look for when they're when they're watching? Well, I think the first indicator of a good jump is going to be distance on the jump. If you're jumping far, that usually means you've done something fairly right. Now, there are exceptions to that. Wind is a huge factor. So sometimes you'll see an athlete jump really far. And then they'll get docked for wind points um, because they had a lot of headwind. And also you'll see the athletes jump a little bit shorter than what it seems like the rest of the competitors are doing. And then they'll be placed okay, and that's because they had a lot of tailwind. So um, they have a wind compensation system for that. So you kind of the first thing is look at the distance. And then the second thing is uh, see what their start time is because place is a little bit less important in Nordic combined than actual start time. So if, you know, a bunch of competitors jump really close together, you might be in 23rd place, but you might be only 30 seconds out of first, which is definitely easy to make up in a 10 kilometer race. So um, look at the start time and, and where the wave of athletes are, and that'll help you see where the packs of uh, athletes will be in the race and who has a shot at the podium and that kind of stuff. And then for the cross country side, definitely look at, you know, the athletes tempo, their speed, and then look at the splits that'll come in on the race course. Then you'll see which groups are moving up through the field and which guys are moving back. And you'll, then you'll be able to see kind of 
where the trend of the of the race is going. Obviously, the easy part is the finish. First person across the line wins. So that that's really easy and kind of the exciting part because everybody's going to come into that finish usually pretty tight together. And so it becomes a pretty tactical race at the end. Have you gotten to try the courses at Pyeongchang? No, um, we, I personally skipped the test event last year, um, to get ready for world championships last year. And so I, I haven't seen or jumped the venue, but, uh, you know, for me, that could be a good thing. I, I tend to overanalyze things a bit sometimes. So I'm, going to go in there will be all new experiences and really exciting to see the venues and get to explore them for the first time. So uh, I, I'm not worried about it at all. So then when you go into a new venue, what do you do to prepare? Um, I think just explore it, you know, have, have fun skiing it, really get to learn like the unique characteristics that make that place different from the rest or stand out. And then you can kind of use those characteristics to kind of build a race plan or a jumping program for yourself. And uh, yeah, so you just kind of have to, I think, you know, a veteran athlete, you learn to adapt pretty quickly to new hills because we're traveling all the time from venue to venue to venue. Um, So that was, uh, you know, something that you, it's a skill that you kind of pick up along the way. So um, yeah, I'll go in. And and then the big thing on the cross country course is, is seeing you know, how it flows, where the attacks need to happen, um, you know, going into the finish, that kind of stuff um, is the big things that you'll look for. So we are a week and change before the games. Where mm-hmm. you, and you are physically in Europe right now. Yeah, so I am in Slovenia right now. Just got here yesterday. Finished my a big, like, uh, Olympic training program kind of yesterday, so I'll be here for a week kind of recovering and... Uh, getting ready for, uh, there's some small, like, uh, they're called Continental Cup competitions, which are the next level down from World Cup. So I'll use those as kind of my test events and open things up before the Olympics and then uh, travel from here on Monday um, and start the journey to Pyeongchang. So exciting. Allison, you got anything else? No, I'm just sort of overwhelmed with how many places you're going to be in the next two to three weeks. Yeah, and I mean, how that I, works physically in terms of the travel. Yeah, it's a uh, you're really good at the travel. I mean, I've done let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, overseas flights so far this winter. So back and forth a lot, and uh, that's more than most athletes would do. Um, however, with the wife and kid at home, um, I like to be home when I can be home. So if I have, uh, you know any more than a week of time where there's no competitions or anything, I'll try and fly home and train at home before coming back over. So um, I actually skipped two weekends of competition in order to train for the Olympics. And so I got to go home, spend two weeks there, which was really nice, and then flew over here. And a week is enough time to adapt. And then, uh, you know, obviously pretty good at it. So and then we'll have another full week plus a couple days in uh, Pyeongchang before uh, the first event. So I think it's enough time, but uh, definitely more travel than most athletes would do. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired just thinking about it. Uh, frequent flyer miles. That's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Brian, is there anything else that you want to say about the sport or your experiences that we haven't touched on? 
Well, I think that most people, they don't see ski jumps in their everyday life, and so they just assume that they're not around. But I think they would be surprised to know that we have clubs like all over the country. And at one point in time, ski jumping was super popular in the U.S. So, you know, if you go to like like the USA Nordic webpage, usanordic.org, and you contact them, I guarantee you there's a club that's, you know, probably within 100 miles of wherever you live, with the exception of maybe Florida. Uh, or some of those states. But, you know, if you're in a wintry uh, area, there's definitely clubs near you. So if you want to get involved in the sport, it's one of the best communities you can be a part of. I mean, literally, I I have friends that I grew up with that jumped for a year, and I still talk to them. Um, Some athletes never leave the community. They come back as coaches, judges, um, mentors, uh, come to competitions all the time. It's just one of those amazing communities to be a part of. So I would encourage just people to reach out and, and find their uh, club that's closest to them and give it a shot. I mean, I promise it's worth it. Oh, well, thank you, Brian, and all the best to you and to your brother, Tyler Fletcher, who is also going to the games. It's, it's so exciting. I mean, it's going to be his last time. I hope he has a blast. I mean, he was great to talk to. He, he was fun, but I have to tell you, I'm wondering if he did not get your reference of the – too great taste oh, the taste break together no. do you think that i'm he, too old i think he may have been too young to get the reese's peanut butter cup oh. reference really oh well i'm making a note we will put a link to the commercial because <laughs> I, I was so proud of that reference i thought it was great it was a, it was a perfect reference with the <laughs> you've got chocolate in my peanut but when i was listening to him i'm thinking he's not getting that joke <laughs> All so, right. any old time Nordic combiners who want to come on our show, <laughs> you'll and, get the joke and appreciate my jokes. You're more than welcome to. Exactly. You know what? You know what I do want to do though, Allison, is I want somebody in Norway to sponsor me to live there for like a winter, so that I can understand why the heck they come up with these sports. Okay. Well, it's going to be dark. Right. right, because there, there's going to be depending on how far north you go. Right, you I could be, that. you could have that. That okay, it's going to be so cold. I live in cold right now. Yeah, no, no, no. But this is way colder. They'll so have cold, better dark. insulation. You'll eat reindeer. Could be delicious. I'm not. I don't have a problem with that. And you'll drink some really weird things. Also, could be delicious. <laughs> And we're going to qualify that could be because some friends of ours brought some Brennovan over from Iceland for us. And I can tell you that stuff's nasty and we have a pretty full bottle of it. Is, is that a liquor or is it that is the, a liquor, the... liquor? Yes. Okay. Well, Iceland is totally different because they eat fermented right. shark there. Right. Well, you know, I do want to know, like, who said ski jumping and cross country? Well, they're both heel free. Let's put them together. That just blew my mind away when when you think about <laughs> what we've learned about all of the sports and what it takes your body to physically do, that not only did somebody come up with this, I assume in some kind of either maniac thought when it was dark at one o'clock in the afternoon or had been drinking too much Aquavit or what have you, or had a bad slab of reindeer for dinner and just decided to put say oh yeah these two sports can go together no problem and it's stuck it, that's the thing it, it's stuck 
It was to impress a girl. <laughs> you think? You think? I have, really? <laughs> Don't make I, me I go have, off on a women's ski jumping tangent here. <laughs> yeah, no. Some some guy named Sven wanted to impress Victoria and came up with this. All right. Well, it'll be interesting. I, you know, and and now I'm excited to tune into the Nordic Combined Competition. Yeah. I'm excited that. There could be women's coming up. That would be lovely as we've. Right. Since we've, we've done, we've gotten the ski jump, uh, the right. women's ski jump in the uh, Olympics. Now right. let's, 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 let's keep on pushing that. It's the last sport. It is the last sport that does not have a women's component to it. And I know that ski jumping isn't quite equal because the men have a higher hill and a team event. But, you know, we do need to get Nordic combined in, in and it made, it's not even in. Right, right, right. But it made me, I was very heartened to hear how many people were involved in the United States and that people are coming up. So I, I'm really excited about the future of the sport. And and I would try this. You would? If they Wait. I would. If they just put me on the little hill, you know, the really little hill, like the baby, like where they put the five-year-olds, I would try that part of the jump. <laughs> I mean, cross-country I've done. I've done cross-country right, skiing. Right, right. I just, I've never. Yeah. Are you feeling Okay. it's the injury it's all the medication like i i did not ever expect to hear the words i would try that when referring to ski jumping coming out of your mouth oh i would totally try that because i can't hurt anybody else true that's that's a big factor that's why i didn't want to try biathlon because there's a lot of risk of injuring others same with bobsled i would hurt i could injure the other people but ski jump it would just be me but wow, you know, and I, I got to say when I was I was doing some more reading on ski jumping and honestly thought like, this sounds like kind of fun now. Reading all these girls who were just in love with the sport. Yeah, this sounds kind of fun. I'd be willing to try it. And then I thought, what is wrong with you, Jill? <laughs> so are we saying that I'm going to be more daring than you? I don't know. Okay. Let's go to a hill. Let's go to a hill. <laughs> all right. Trivia time. Last trivia question before we get a new round of trivia questions and or a new a whole new game's worth of trivia questions in our right. arsenal. This is going to be exciting. Should I go first? Yes, go ahead and go first. Okay. So Pyeongchang is going to be one of the the Winter Games the furthest south. Really? Yes. Huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's it's very close lad Chewed to Nagano and Salt Lake. Okay, they're all okay. they're all kind the of same really latitude, close together. Latitudinal, latitudinal. Yeah. Oh, good, I didn't make up that word. Okay, so what game? What Winter Games was the furthest north? Ooh, furthest north. Well, hmm. Immediately, I thought Oslo. No, no. you're close. Am I in? Is it like Helsinki? No, that's summer. Close to Oslo. It's not Stockholm. Is Stockholm further north? Uh, no, but I don't know, but it's not the answer. Wow, I am stymied. Lillehammer. Ah! Oh, how I could blank on Lillehammer, one of the greatest winter games of all time. Exactly. Wow. Well, I too have a kind of a generic Olympic question because... (laughs) I mean, what? (laughs) Because every question about Nordic combined is trivial. All right, Pyeongchang bid for the Olympics multiple times before they were voted to host. How many times did they bid? Oh, three. That is correct. Yay. They bid. To, they bid to host 2010, 2014, and 2018. 
third time's a charm there. Third time's the charm. Yeah. I know. I know. Which is, you know, it when you think about it and the magnitude of the the bid scope and how much money bids cost. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that they kept coming back for more. But the IOC is having their pre Pyeongchang meetings right now and they are talking about a new initiative to lower the bid costs and it's called it's called the new norm. And um, as opposed to the old norm. norm. The old norm, right? Like which, the guy from Cheers. Which looks like the norm! Guy from I know, and that's all I could get uh, past. I'm like, oh, if you if you call your program the new norm, IOC, you have to come up with some kind of clever mascot guy, as it as it's yes. picture, right? They need a Norman. They need a Norman for oh, the, the mis- little geeky guy yeah. with a pocket protector and a nice big smile, right? Adding up the numbers, and they're low. <laughs> yeah, like he's holding a calculator in his other hand, his thumbs up, right? Oh, he's ready yes. to go. He's ready accountant to go. As, accountant as mascot. That's right. I, I think it would be great. <laughs> and that's, I hate to say it, that's all I got out of the new norm right now. <laughs> I, have uh, to read. I know. But I do know it's, it's got to be new stuff because we've been just cramming and cramming and cramming for the current gains. But it's nice to know that they are trying to build in more legacy aspects to the buildings and make things a little bit more cost effective. To host yes. because I, they do have a problem so we'll have more on the new norm as we dig into it we do have some other kind of breaking news as as breaking news as you can have on a podcast but um <laughs> uh, we've been in touch with a grassroots organization called slc 2026 2030 because uh salt lake city has been considering doing a bid for the winter olympics again because they've got the facilities why not have another olympics and use them but anyway the um State legislature and a Salt Lake Olympic Exploratory Committee voted and recommended that Utah bids for 2030 Olympics. So okay, give so them a little it looks more like, time. Looks like that's what they're going to go for, and that's going to be awesome. exciting. So uh, SLC 2026 2030, we will be in touch. Talk to you and talk about that bid. You know, I cannot wait till 2028 because it's been really hard to find Olympic products in the stores. Okay. It's been so rough. If anybody finds Suharang, a stuffed Suharang doll dressed in the Korean traditional dress and sends it to me, I will love them forever. Or be in touch. You can arrange <laughs> you can arrange you can arrange a transaction. <laughs> well no, I did yeah. see it on eBay for like two hundred dollars. Oh, already. you gotta wait until after the games. I gotta wait, yeah. Yeah. Because that is, I mean, we already know how much we both love Suharang. Oh, I know. Just adorable. But then to add the Korean traditional dress, right? which is they beautiful. Right, they are so cute. So, and I everybody's mean, yes. getting them. You know, if you look, if you're on Instagram and Twitter, oh, and you see pictures of the athletes, they are, they're all over oh, the air. They're getting stuffed Suharangs. Oh, they're, but have you seen the pictures of them Them arriving with suharang yes. in the airport and the buildings outside and there's big suharangs and bindabis like into the building it is so awesome looking yes oh, the pictures God. so far and the reports have been the facilities are excellent the athletes village beautiful well maintained everything has been good the only little hiccup that i've heard so far is there was an outbreak of norovirus among 
the guards. I heard that among as well. the security staff. But in in true fashion, they all were quarantined. They disinfected everything. And knock and on wood. Yeah, so far so good. It hasn't it hasn't spread. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun seeing the Instagram posts of the U.S. athletes going through processing and getting all their uniforms. Oh, I know it's so exciting. But everything does look lovely. And I was yeah. I had followed some of the Canadian athletes, and I saw some of the stuff that they've gotten from their teams, and it's so cool looking. Okay, I predict for Team USA, the must-have item is going to be that onesie hoodie footie pajama. Oh, the hoodie fi- oh my gosh, yeah. Does not that that looks so comfortable. It was very funny because Sarah Hendrickson, who was our on our show, the mm-hmm. the ski jumper, who I made a comment about how tiny she was. She had one on, probably in the smallest size that they had, and it was huge on her. Oh, it looked so cute and cuddly. Oh like the sleeves were kind of bunched up, oh, and the yeah, ankles yeah. were kind of Aww. bunched up. And I'm like. That even makes it cuter. But that, right. yeah, the hockey team has been posting pictures of all of them in, in the their hoodie footies. That would it's be the best. Great. That would be the yeah. best. So that I think is going to be, remember the Roots hat from Salt yeah. Lake? Oh, yeah. I the, think that The beret? Would, yeah. Yeah, I think the hoodie footie is going to be the fashion item. Did you see the sunglasses, the ring sunglasses? Oh, yeah, those are cool. Those are pretty cool. I think somebody could mail those back to us. We can we can arrange transactions. We can arrange transactions. Those look pretty <laughs> freely given out. So I'd be excited. I don't think we sound excited enough. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think we sound a little, a little too low key because in my soul right now is like fireworks, and I don't think that's coming through. I it's understand like where you're to, coming from. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm trying to hold it together. I know. Because, no, you know why? Because we have to hold it together an extra 14 hours. That's, that's the problem. Like, there's a time change thing. Like, you see everybody and you're like, I'm so excited for you. And I just want to sit on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook all day and read stuff and watch videos. And I can't. Yeah. I have to do a day job. And my day yeah. job ain't going away, yeah. unfortunately. And it's not going away for two weeks. And then I was trying to figure out today, like, when do I sleep? Like, yeah. I think I think I have to learn how to sleep in Korean nighttime and then wake up in the middle of the night to catch some stuff. But there will be live coverage in primetime. Right. That's so exciting. At least on the East Coast. Right, right, I'm not right. sure if it's if it's quite that perfect on the West Coast. But on mm-hmm. the East Coast, if you sit down at eight o'clock, you will get live, right. which is... You did not get that in Sochi. You did not get that the last time they were in Asia, certainly, in right, Nagano. Yeah. And I don't know why it works that way, but it's working out perfectly. You know, I think it's because my theory is because somebody said it doesn't matter that we need to be on the same calendar day because the stuff uh, we see in yeah. prime time is going to be the next day's morning. So I have a feeling that somebody was really wedded to, no, this event happened on Thursday. We must show it on Thursday versus that's why we're getting pre-coverage coverage coverage, or like you'll be able to see some figure skating stuff on the day before the opening ceremonies because it's actually happening the morning of the opening ceremonies right so they gave up that construct yeah Yeah. i know i don't i don't even know what day it is now i know i'm not going to know what date is but on in terms of talking about days let's talk about Mm -hmm. our podcasting schedule during the games that's right yeah so starting American Friday. Opening ceremonies. 
day. We're going to start with the opening ceremonies. And that's in terms of when it's airing here, Eastern time in the U.S. Right. So once the opening ceremonies are over, we will get on online, get on the horn, and we'll have a little wrap-up podcast to talk about what happened and all of the amazing things that happened during the opening ceremonies. And that show will be roughly 15 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep them short. We're going to yes, keep them short keep during them the game. Because yes. then we will do one a day throughout for the whole two weeks. Right. Just short little wrap-ups, what we watched, what we're going to watch the next day, any thoughts we have, any messages people send us, we will respond to and just go through. And we won't know what day it is, so we'll just probably do day one, day two. We won't necessarily date them right? um, because that's going to get very confusing. So just listen to them in order and you'll be fine. Right. Maybe (laughs) maybe we'll put – I have to think about this. Maybe we'll just talk – maybe the – the show titles will also have the sport names that we talk about. Okay. So you know what to you know what to look for. Right. So, so if you've watched Nordic Combined and then we talk about Nordic Combined, we'll put that in. Right. But we'll see how it goes. We're not yeah. quite sure how yeah, this is. Yeah, it's our first good. games. It's our first games. I know, it's, it's our it's, first games. It's exciting and scary. So yeah, there's gonna be a lot of figuring it out as we go along. But the plan we is our first to... time Olympians. Right. The the plan is to watch the primetime live bits and then record some stuff so that you've got it for either late night for you or your early morning commutes. Yes. And um, then we'll be, yeah, every day. Every day. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, but we definitely want to hear what you think, hear what you think of the coverage, hear what you think of the sports. Um. Yeah, how is whatever's going on? What do you think? Be in touch with us. We're on, we're on Twitter pretty extensively, and Insta is uh, so our Twitter handle is Olym Fever, O L Y M F E V E R. Uh, Allison's Insta account is now dedicated. Olym Fever. Yep. So it's A L I S O N O L Y M fever i'll try, stop spelling so that's me so i will be instating throughout are you gonna live tweet the opening ceremonies i don't know if i will or not actually okay. I, probably, I don't know yeah. i'll probably insta during the ceremonies. okay so yeah i i might try to live tweet we'll see how it goes because there are some people coming over so i don't i don't know how that's gonna work so we'll see but i do i will i i don't know if i can stay off the tweet the twitter the Tweety. The Tweety. <laughs> I don't Are know if like I can handle thing? I am. And then we'll also post some stuff on Facebook, on our Facebook yep. page, um, Olympic Fever, or Olymp, it's also Olymp Fever on Facebook, so it's just the Olympic Fever podcast page. We also decided to join Fantasy Olympian and have a little Fantasy League game going, and we will see how we do. If you are interested in that it is fantasyolympian.com and you can drop us a line because I think we have to invite you to be part of our league. So email either jill at olimfever.com or info at olimfever.com and we will get you connected. There may be just bragging rights or there may be some sort of prize involved. We don't know. Haven't figured that I, out I, yet. I think we can come up with a prize. I think we can come up with something too for our listeners. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that'll be kind of fun. You pick a whole bunch of athletes and you pick a country and how they do is how you do and bragging rights to the winner. 
Yeah. So <laughs> it'll be fun. I've never done fantasy sports before. I've never done fantasy sports either because I was never, you know, I, I watch football, but I don't watch football right, right. and I, I could never be dedicated enough. But this, but even when I was picking my players, you know, quote right. unquote, I was getting all, you know, should I have a scheme? Should I have a. Right. It's very difficult. Do we go it just was. one sport? Do you go all one country? Do you, what do you do? How right. do you do it? So. so Get on the action. See, see if yeah, you can, get see in. If you I can wanna, beat us. Yeah. I, I'm going to stink at this. So at the very <laughs> least, you're going to beat me. You can say you beat me and be proud of it because I'm usually really bad at this sort of thing. It's it's going to be fun. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about a lot of other things that are in the works. I know. Yeah. Calm before the storm, right? Right. Exactly. So let's ride out this little calm wave. I know. I'm going to go ice. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, maybe get a massage and uh, work, just work through it. All right. You just have to push through. All right. Sounds good. That's true. That's true. Alrighty. We will talk to you in a couple of days during the opening ceremonies. Woo! Oh They're here. They're here. They're here. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. <laughs>